At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. We have a bit of a strange podcast for you today. It's strange because I have become the interviewee, not the interviewer which is kind of crazy because usually I'm the one interviewing people. How dare I be interviewed? (laughs) Just kidding. So the way it happened was Josh Zolan, who was on my podcast a few months back promoting his, his book about the skilled trades gap, invited me onto his podcast. Now, Josh is an author, podcaster, and business owner. He owns an HVAC business out in Arizona. His book that we talked about previously blue is the new white the best path to success no one told you about until now and it's speaking on the skilled trades gap that's going on in the world but mainly in north america so josh invited me on his podcast and we had a great discussion we did this conversation through a platform called zoom like a video chat so josh has the the video on his end i got the audio he was nice enough to send me the audio so I could put this out onto my podcast. So thank you, Josh, for that. Now, Zoom is a pretty cool platform. He's on he's on his mic in his office, but I'm in my van, and I set my, my phone up on the dash. I probably should have put in a headset because it would have made the audio sound a little bit clearer, but it's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It just would have made it sound a lot more crisp. Anyway, guys, the interview is great. Josh asked me a lot of good questions that I had to stop and think about, and um, I really enjoyed the conversation, so I hope you guys do too. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I am your host, Gary McCready. So as per usual, I'm just going to go over a few things here. MP Math on Instagram, I was going through my feed. He purchased a leak detector, hydraulic swaging kit, vacuum pump, and a recovery machine, I believe. And I said, hey, did you save some dough? Because he bought them at True Tech Tools. And he's like, yeah, thanks to you. Well, it's not really thanks to me. It's thanks to True Tech for allowing me to spread the word on their promo code that has been designed to kind of outfit my project here. Promo code is know-it-all. You save 8% on that stuff. Anything in the store except for Fluke, Fleer, and Testo. If you want some Testo savings, I have a, a preferred pricing link I can send you. Just hit me up and I'll send you that. Not a problem. Dan Foss has another app that's great. I just tried it, checked it out. If you're thinking about doing a a refrigerant conversion, it's the low GWP tool. So I download it. It's very easy to use. Just one page, it looks like. So you enter the Dan Foss TX valve you got. You enter the refrigerant existing, the new refrigerant you want to use. And then it spits out the amount of turns you need on the TX valve and it spits out the capacity that you're going to get out of the new refrigerant which is kind of neat so check that one out last week I used Viper coil cleaner I hadn't used it in a bit because I hadn't come across 
a dirty condenser in a while. They're great for the smaller condensers because it's in a can, an aerosol can. So I used it on a an upright reach-in cooler. The condenser was dirty, sprayed it, foams out, brings the dirt with it, and then you take a, like a soft bristle, bristle brush and just kind of wipe any excess or excessive dirt off. And the thing's shiny, it's clean, stuff is amazing. So check that stuff out as well. House Call Pro guys, dispatching, invoicing, work order software, estimating, it's all in one. There's been a bunch of people checking it out. I know for some people the season is switching over, so it might be kind of flat right now. I know in Texas it's actually, somebody said that it's record-breaking for the month of September for days over 100 degrees, which is kind of crazy. So Texas, you guys are busy. I know that. But if you're not busy and you're looking to enhance your business in some way or form, check out House Call Pro, guys. Housecallpro.com forward slash HVAC know it all. And I will leave the link in the podcast notes. All right. You ready? Yep. You were born ready, right? Born ready, man. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Blue is the New White podcast. Uh, my guest today needs no introduction. Mr. Gary McCready of HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Most of you know exactly who he is. Uh, Gary, thanks for jumping on with me today, man. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy, uh, but I also know that uh, my audience will appreciate the chance to get to know the man behind the mic. That's you. Thank you, Josh. Um, I appreciate the invite. And like on my podcast, I fully disclose everything, even my mistakes. And I forgot that we had an interview today. And <laughs> I thought Thursday was the 24th. But anyway, I'm here now. I uh, put down the tools to jump on with you. So I'm glad we're, uh, we're chatting. Likewise, man. I, uh, I appreciate it. Um, so before we, we get into the meat and the, and the good stuff here, uh, can you give me a rundown just like you know, on your roots, how you got started and, and kind of how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, so in high school, I didn't really know what I was going to do after I, I, I left high school. And um, I'm pretty sure I've told many renditions of the story before, but my dad was always on my case about getting into a trade. And um, I remember one time he brought home this video of stonemason thing and I'm like no nah, I, I can't I don't know these guys were hauling around these big stones and stuff like that and I'm like no nah, that's not for me so anyway he had the HVAC guy that took care of the plant that my dad uh, maintained and sat down on the couch with me and, and it sounded pretty cool and um, I went to uh, a school called Humber College in Toronto and they had a refrigeration course and it was a two or three year course and I think I did the two-year option and I liked it and I left and got a job probably within the first month or so of leaving because I just handed out resumes to so many local companies in the area, right? And um, I got a call from one and I ended up going to that interview with a cast because I had broken, I had broken my thumb um, in a weird, weird accident on rollerblades that may or may not have involved alcohol. But <laughs> so I went, I went to the, uh, the interview with a cast on and um, I got a second interview out of that and then I got hired and I'm still with the same company today and that was that was uh, almost 20 years ago so that's kind of how I got into HVAC um, in a nutshell really 
Oh, that's cool. So you've been with the same company almost 20 years. There's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started out in a, um, a very, it was kind of like a pressure cooker of, of the way that the owner who owned the company when, when I first started, he ran the place very intensely. So I learned a lot because I was thrown into the fire and I had to kind of fend for myself. And I was surrounded by a lot of other techs that were taught the same way. So everybody had a really good handle on the trade and I was taught a lot of good things. But as, as I progressed into what I do now, I, I'm finding out that a lot of things I was taught was kind of maybe not always the correct way of doing things, but they were still, they were still methods that, that took these guys to where they were. So, I mean, there, there, there's good things and bad things about old school methods. And I think we need to implement modern methods as well with them together to, to, to move forward. That's my opinion on it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I, I mean, I was the same way. My dad, you know, had, uh, had taught me and, and he taught me like the old school ways uh, of doing things, which, you know, there's, there's different ways of doing things now, obviously. So let me ask you when you were, um, uh, when you, you went through refrigeration school, uh, did you find that the fundamentals that you learned in that class helped you immediately? Or did you rely mostly on uh, the field training that you got from uh, the experienced techs? Um, I found that when I went into the field, the basic knowledge I had did help. Uh, but it was book knowledge. And my problem was the tools because I was never a, ha a hands-on tools kind of guy, right? And my major learning curve was, is a, was using tools and learning how to use the tools. But once I got past that and the basic knowledge from schooling and, and it all kind of came together as one, um, it, took, it took a while. It took, I would say, two to three years before it really started to click for me. Um, but when I went to my first, see in Canada, we do an apprenticeship and there's three blocks of schooling. And the first one you go to is basic. And when I went to basic, it was three years into my apprenticeship, right? And I found that because I had gone to a pre-apprenticeship course and gotten that base knowledge that I knew a lot more than these guys coming in who had never gone to school before. So I would say, yes, it, it did help a lot um, going to pre-apprenticeship school and getting that basic foundation for sure. Cool. Yeah. And that, that's always kind of been my thought on it because I, I went the opposite way. You know, I didn't go to trade school. I, I learned uh, everything, you know, in the trades from, from my dad uh, yep. who went to trade school later in his life for something that he never ended up pursuing. He went to school for HVAC and refrigeration after he started, you know, repairing the restaurant equipment and he stuck to restaurant equipment. So, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the way that I learned. And I always thought that if I had gone to uh, some type of trade school that, you know, I probably would have been able to learn a little bit faster because I had fundamental book knowledge to uh, to build on, you know, and yeah. kind of same way with me with the tools, you know, um, the, the most experience I had with tools when I was a kid was taking a hammer to my rock'em sock'em robots, you know, see how they work. <laughs> <laughs> Parents did not appreciate that after Christmas morning, I'll tell you. But uh, anyway, neither here nor there. Um, so look, we both grew up kind of in a time where I don't think either of us thought that 
the trades were going to be broadcasted, you know, the, the way that they are uh, right now or the way that they're starting to. Um, but obviously we take advantage of the opportunities that we have in front of us um, in this day and age that, you know, what this day and age provides. So how did you recognize the opportunity to start a podcast and why did you do it? That's a good one. And it didn't really start with the podcast. The whole social media thing started from, I guess, being online and seeing, seeing groups that had already been formed for a while, um, primarily on Facebook and just reading negativity, just everybody hammering on everybody. And, and, um, and I'm like, well, I'm going to start my own uh, blog type thing on Facebook. And basically, it just started very, very simple. I would just take a picture of a unit I was working on and just go through what I did that day. And slowly, people started to follow. And I found that being positive in these posts was actually creating a snowball effect positivity and, and more people were jumping on board that way of doing things. Um, and you still get the negative comments, obviously, because people were, in my mind, people were, were bred into these groups and, and there was this culture of being negative. So that's the way they thought they had to be in every one of these groups was to be negative. And I would literally stay up some nights fighting with these people. You know what I mean? On Facebook, and trying to get them to turn around and be positive people. Now, other people would see these fights. Some people would jump on, on their, their side. Some people would jump on my side. But the whole mission was to create a positive environment. And, and when I think back to the, these, these battles with people, I was contributing to that negativity because I should have just turned around and said something positive back to them. So. Like, I don't, I don't know if you listen to, to, to Gary V and see his, his uh, Instagram feeds, but it's, it's all, you got to be nice. Like kindness wins. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I started taking like a real, like a real approach to that. So now if somebody's out of line, like I just say something nice back to them and, and it just baffles them half the time. Like, Hey, you need a hug or something like that. Or give, give a gif of two men, men hugging each other. You know what I mean? And it kind of, just, it just breaks up the hate a little bit and it gets people laughing and stuff. So I've kind of had to shift from, from being the person that would argue, say, Hey, don't, don't do that here. Don't do that. And just be, just give some kindness back to them because who knows, maybe they're having a bad day. You know what I mean? Maybe they just need to, to feel that somebody cares or whatever. I, I don't, I don't want to sound like, I'm like a care bear going around giving all these HVAC tax hugs, but that's just <laughs> the new approach I've taken to all of this. So it started there and um, it just kind of grew into different platforms like Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, I'm really concentrating now on the YouTube channel. I'm trying to build the audience and the podcast thing was something that I didn't think I'd ever get into just because I seen other people doing podcasts and I seen these two computer screens, mics, mixers in front of them. I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> right. And then I scrolled through my Instagram feed one day and I seen this ad for anchor. And it was like the simplest way to produce a podcast or whatever their slogan was at the time. So I downloaded the app and from there on in it, 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 it was history, man. You just pick up the phone, you press record, you hold the phone to your ear and you can record a segment 
and I can do it in my van on the roof wherever I am right and the audio sounds pretty good just straight from a phone like I've experimented with different uh, mics like a headset um, a little I had a little uh, video game mixing thing with a video game headset but I just went straight press the button on anchor app and right into my phone because the the mic on a phone is actually really really good and and that's kind of how the podcast started and I've just been kind of growing with it through time it's been uh, almost a year and a half now since I, I launched it and and I'm enjoying it actually I didn't think I would enjoy the, the podcast aspect but I, I actually really do that's awesome. So it actually started on, on Facebook. And it, it's funny you mentioned too that, uh, um, you know, taking a positive approach because I, I've noticed that a lot on, uh, on Facebook too. Not so much now. I think it's starting to get better. But, um, you know, there, there wasn't, and I guess there still is quite a bit of negativity. Um, you know, and I used to be the same way, you know, with my YouTube channel. I used to get a lot of uh, comments, you know, just, just people wanting to pick a fight. Yeah. You know, and my, my initial instinct back then was to pick the fight and win, you know, but, uh, uh, as you, as you grow up and, you know, you kind of realize, uh, in the grand scheme of things by looking at all the social platforms and all of that, that positivity really does come out on top, you know, it kind of helps you gain a little bit of perspective in, in, in that sense. And, uh, I think it, it only helps build what you're, you know, what you're trying to promote. Um, so I think that's uh, that's really awesome. I think it's funny you you never had an intention of starting a podcast, and now here you are with you know like one of the biggest podcasts in the industry. <laughs> well, th th thank you. I don't I don't know if it's there's a, there's a there's a bunch out there. So I mean, we, there's a lot of competition, but everybody does their own thing, and each person does their own thing well. I'm just doing the way I want to do it, and if people listen, man, that that is that is fabulous. And and anybody that's watching this or listening to this that does tune in. Uh, I really appreciate it. A hundred percent for sure. Awesome. As do I. And, um, so you clearly know your stuff, you know, I, I've seen all, all your content. You clearly know your stuff when it comes to the art of mechanics and, and, and all of that. And, and I know you're humble in it too, which is, which is awesome. I think that's important to remember, uh, you know, for a lot of people in the industry and, and entering into the industry and all of that. Um, and you do a great job of portraying all that throughout social media and, and the podcast and everything you got going on. So of all the things that you do, uh, what would you say gives you the most satisfaction? Hmm, that, that's a good one. Um, it, it, it's tough because when you do this, it's almost like a, there's so many people involved because the, 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 the different platforms, the spread is so wide and, and it feels like a, a, a task that's, that's thankless, right? Just putting out content and content every day and, and thinking in your, like there's a lot of work that goes into it and, and it takes up a lot of time in my head to, to plan out, to, to do all this. And I think for me that the most, the thing that I like the best is when I'm having a bad day and I just pick up my phone and I have like three messages from people saying, thank you for what you do. And I'm like, wow, like I didn't even, the, the fact that you're listening is one thing that I see that you're the, the listens on the podcast. Yeah, they're listening, but I don't know what's going through the person's head when they're listening. Oh, this guy's doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't like this podcast, but I'm listening anyway. This, you know what I mean? But when I get these, these thank yous, from people 
and not only a thank you, but hey, that podcast I listened to helped me through my day or it helped me through my job. And I'm like, wow, like for one person to say that every few weeks makes everything all worth it. And that's, that's where I think I get uh, the most reward. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a, there's a lot to be said about, you know, being able to, to feel like you contributed in some way or another to, uh, to somebody's life, whether that's as small as giving them a tip on, you know, uh, a repair or completely changing their life by, you know, uh, giving them an opportunity to succeed in, in yeah. you know, something that they didn't know was there or what, whatever it is. I, I think that that's incredibly rewarding and satisfying and uh, a big part of the trades, um, you know, not only through social media, but uh, really just in the industry itself, you know, like the, the guys that you mentioned uh, that were training you up, you know, yeah, I'm sure you said thank you once or twice and, and I'm sure that they appreciated that too. So it, it's all over the industry and I think it, uh, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely have to be humble and have gratitude towards people that are trying to help you because I mean, everybody starts somewhere and not everybody knows everything. Like you don't come out of your, the, the womb just knowing how to do things somebody had to teach you along the way right so the people that teach you no matter who they are um yeah you, you got to have gratitude towards 100 percent, you do and and you got to respect those people for taking the time out of their day or out of their lives uh because everybody's busy so if somebody takes time out of their day or their life to try to help you and especially help you personally, not just in a general aspect, you got to have gratitude towards them. And I think most people do, which is excellent. Yeah. Time is the rarest of commodities and uh, therefore the most valuable thing that you can give. Um, and I think it's important to, to remember that, you know, and uh, uh, all across the industry, you know, with your peers, with your family, um, if anybody is willing to lend you their time, you know, that, that means something. Uh, yes. So I feel like there's a few folks out there, you know, obviously, you know, uh, my advocacy, the, uh, the skilled trades, and, and we've talked about that before. Um, and I've noticed some people out there, especially since the book came out, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, some of the people coming out of the woodwork, but there are, um, there seem to be a select group of people that uh, um, tend to think that a strong advocacy of the skilled trades means pushing people into the trades that shouldn't necessarily be there um i'm curious how you feel about that well i've heard that as well and there is one particular comment that i seen about the same subject that you're talking about that made me really think about something and if anybody thinks that i'll tell you right now i'm probably one of the people that shouldn't have gone into a trade by their standards because i had never picked up a tool in my life and when I first started, I felt useless when I was on jobs because I would see other people my age that had been in the trade for way less than me because they had this background of using tools. Maybe um, they grew up fixing cars with their, with their dad or their uncle, or they, they were doing other things that involved um, tools like maybe fixing small engines like um, lawnmowers or ATVs or, or whatever, dirt bikes. Maybe they were into that kind of stuff. I wasn't into any of that stuff. And, and, and those people, I'm probably one of those 
guys that they were talking about that shouldn't have been in a trade, right? And and you have to prove people wrong. You just have to go in. If you know that in your brain you have the ability to tackle anything that's in front of you, I mean, the sky's the limit, really. You just have to have the confidence and you have to have the wherewithal and you just have to pick up your, pick up the slack and, and move forward because anybody can do it. Anybody can. Yeah, which is, again, why positivity and encouragement, uh, I think, is so important uh, in this industry as well, because I, I share that with you, uh, Gary. You know, I'm one of those people that uh, that probably shouldn't have been in the trades by their standards as well. I mean, you know, we've we've had prior conversations. You know, I was jumping off buildings and getting set on fire, you know, in my early 20s. And uh, that has nothing to do with uh, turning wrenches or swinging hammers, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer, you know, I talk a lot about the perceptions and, and all of this, but I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of talent out there that does, doesn't enter into the trades, um, doesn't ever pick up a hammer, doesn't ever pick up a wrench, uh, just because, you know, either of the perceptions or, or they want to do something else or, or whatever it is. So in my eyes, the advocacy, you know, for the skilled trades, it, all it's doing is opening up the eyes of the people that could be superstars in, in this industry, you know, and, uh, and again, it, it falls on them in a personal responsibility standpoint to, to want it um, badly enough to, to prove it. But, uh, uh, you know, they can't prove anything if they, if they don't give it a shot and they don't know it exists. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there's different people that come from different areas of life and some of them might not even know what the trades involve until they actually get into it. But I mean, everybody learns at different paces. Sometimes that in itself can be frustrating for somebody that's training somebody because people do learn at different paces and, and they learn in different ways. Some people might learn from a book. And they can read everything from a book and just go out and do it. Some people might have to actually be there physically and watch someone else do it. You know what I mean? Because they're visual learners. So you have to, as somebody that that is training people, you have to kind of adapt to how they learn. And a good trainer will be able to do that. A good trainer doesn't say, this is my way and this is how you're going to learn. A good trainer will adapt and find ways to teach so everybody can benefit from it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and that's uh, uh, that's that's big in this industry is is finding the right way to train, um, you know, train the people uh, based on the best way that they learn. You know, I myself, I'm I'm a tangible learner, so I actually have to be doing something to learn it. I have mm-hmm. to feel myself doing it wrong in order to know how to do it right. Um, you know, so it's it's a little frustrating sometimes. I wish I could just, you know, read it on a page and, and say, yeah. oh, okay, I can do this now or, or, you know, like the matrix, just plug it into my brain and, Oh, Hey, now I know Kung Fu. All right. But uh, <laughs> you know, we're not at that point yet, unfortunately. So people learn in different ways and, uh, and it's important to, to try to be able to connect with them on their, their level to, to make sure that they do. Um, so yeah, I, I talk about the skilled trades gap every once in a while. You know, um, so I'm, I'm curious, obviously there's an, an array of issues, right. As to why this, this gap might exist, but I'm, I'm curious to get your take on, um, you know, what the biggest contributing factors you think are to the skilled trades gap and, uh, and what you think can be done about it. So 
when I look at my kids, um, like my oldest is 10. So my oldest kid, like my, my kids, they, they know what I do um, for a living. And they've seen me fix things around the house and, and all that. But that stuff interests them to a certain point. Like that they want to go out and start learning how to use the lawnmower to make money and cut grass and stuff like that. But what really interests them is, is the internet and watching people that they enjoy watching, making YouTube videos and making money and, and doing what they love that like, because obviously these people that are making these videos on YouTube, they, they love doing it um, and they're making a killing from it. So these young kids, they see the advantage of the internet and they see that people in the trades, they got to get up early. They got to leave their house. They have to um, perhaps get dirty, lift heavy things. You know what I mean? So it doesn't seem appealing to them. And, and there's been many people that have talked about the way the trades are portrayed on TV and movies and stuff like that. Everybody seems to be like overweight, messy, dirty. Um, they're, when they're eating, they got like food all over their mouth. They're swearing. They're, they, they don't look like they're intelligent whatsoever. So they see this, right? And they're like, well, why would I want to do that when I can buy a phone and I can make YouTube videos of me playing video games in my room <laughs> and make a living, right? So because that stuff is marketed to to them on YouTube and and these people that make these channels they do a very good job at marketing to kids because they they have millions and millions of views and most of the stuff you watch is garbage on there it's it's just like it just does this to my brain like there's <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing involved in the videos that is educational or not, nothing like that so I think the way that the trades are marketed has to be changed the trades need to be marketed differently um, they gotta, they, they gotta show that what you're doing is, can be fun. Um, maybe, yeah, you get dirty, but at the end of the day, you're, you're going to have, you're going to feel this, this sense of pride in, in you because most of the trades that are going out are helping people, uh, customers, whether it be fixing, um, their air conditioner or fixing, um, a single lady that. Um, that's a widow whose garage door has failed and she can't open it. At the end of the day, you do something like that for somebody. Yeah, you're getting paid, but you also feel a sense of pride in you that you're out there helping people. And we got to make the trade look cool. There's, there's people on Instagram and Facebook doing this because they've created their own brand and they're showing themselves going to the gym, working out, staying fit, um, eating good and buying these cool tools that they're using with these like the, the kids nowadays, they love apps and their electronics, but all these tools are now going app based. So you can get on your phone and you can, you can check readings of a system on your phone. So we have to kind of promote all this stuff to the kids. So they see that we're not just a bunch of overweight, uneducated uneduc people out there that are just getting dirty and lifting heavy things. You know what I mean? <laughs> we can actually do some intelligent things and we can actually help a lot of people by being in a skilled trades and we can take it further. Um, we can own our own businesses and we can branch out to different, to different things along the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's the, the constant, you know, that's the thing that I hear the most is, is um, you know, basically letting people know that the trades is all about helping people in one form or another. 
Um, you know, that's just, uh, it's, I hear it time and time again. And uh, there, there's a lot of truth to it. You know, it's all truth. And uh, that's, I think, what needs to be broadcasted. It's a, it's a good answer. Um, and, and I, mean, I mean, go ahead, make a YouTube channel. But most of these channels, there's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of thousands of channels. And there's a very small percent that are actually making good money off of it. So try, go ahead, start a YouTube channel. But most likely you're not going to make a living out of it. So you need something that's going to allow you to make a living day in, day out that for a lot of, a, not a hundred percent recession proof, but a lot of it is, especially if you're doing service where you're fixing things that are breaking because things are always going to break. There might not always be a building to build. You know what I mean? But there's things that are always going to be breaking and they're going to need service. So getting into that side of a trade where you're repairing and servicing equipment, whatever it is, whatever it may be, um, there's always going to be a job for you and always money to be made. Absolutely. Fun fact, you know who the highest grossing YouTube earner is to date? Um, no, I don't. It's an eight-year-old kid named Ryan. Ryan, was, Ryan Toys Review? He was in the back of my head. I was yeah. There was one I was thinking, FGTV. I was actually, um, I researched them because my kids watch FGTV. Mm-hmm family gaming TV or something like that. And they make about, I think it's around $15,000 a day just off YouTube. I don't know. I don't know what Ryan's making, but I know these guys are one of the top, top earners. And there's, there's another couple of young kids out there that, that, that are doing the same thing. It just baffles my mind. It's amazing. He, he grossed uh, $21 million in 2018. Wow. Yeah. And my daughter is addicted to that, that show. <laughs> My three-year-old is too. He loves loves Ryan. I don't know yeah. what it is. I told I my wife. I said, "Let's." I said, "Let's put on. Let's put GoPros in every corner of the house, and just make a YouTube video, um, a YouTube channel of our of our daily lives, and we'll be millionaires." There to go. I call it the Real <laughs> Sims. Yeah, she's not. She doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to expose <laughs> her, her lives. But um, I, I don't know. It, it was just. It was just a joke. But I mean, no, nobody these days. Um, I mean. You're not safe from the camera for a- anywhere you go. So no, definitely not. Um, so listen, uh, you're a young dude, successful in 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 what you do, obviously, and and your trajectory at this point seems pretty pretty wide open. Um, so I'm curious how you see the next ten years of your life unfolding. That's a very good question because I've thought about the next three or four years of my life um, unfolding and it's, it's basically to, to continue to grow what I've got now. Um, just keep the numbers moving in the right direction and looking at opportunities that come in and seeing if, if they're going to benefit, uh, this trade and using them, leveraging those, those opportunities to help other people within the trade as well, because I, I do, have some sponsors that I work with and every single one in some form of another is helping somebody in the trade somewhere along the way. And, and that's what I, I, I continue to, to, to want to do is grow the numbers, um, receive opportunities when they present themselves so I can present those opportunities to other people, whether it be um, a tool, whether it be a software that's helping people, um, 
or new ways of, of doing things and, and just continuing to educate. And I would eventually like to put the tools down. I mean, because I've been doing this for 20 years. So my body, I mean, I, I do, I do my best to eat well and exercise when I can, but the body starts to break down after a while. So I guess long-term 10 years from now, I'd like to have, put the tool bag down on a full-time basis. I still want to do things with the tools, but on a full-time basis, I'd like to kind of step back from the tools a little bit and stop from climbing up ladders and walking through three feet of snow across a roof and, and stuff like that. I, I've done, I've, I think I've done my, my part there. So over the next 10 years, I mean, that'll be 30 years physically in the trade. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I can, if I can continue to grow this, and, and improve on this and just kind of show people opportunities and ways to do things off the tools. I, I would love to do that. I, I really would. Awesome. You know, and that's a, it's what an opportunity we have in this day and age, right? Cause I mean, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have thought that that was really even possible. Your, it was, your options would be what, you know, working in the trades. And, and then if you wanted to help people go be a teacher in a classroom somewhere, you know, or, or a trainer with a company or, or whatever. And now you have the ability to, to teach people everything about this industry on, on a, on a worldwide scale, you know, through social media and, and, and everything else. It's just, it's amazing that we have that kind of technology now. Yeah, um, it truly is. So it's no secret that so many kids these days aspire to uh, be seen, heard, uh, and really just make a difference. That's what I'm finding when I talk to people about, you know, the coming generations and everything else. Um, but it seems like a lot of them don't think that they that can happen in the skilled trades, um, which at, at the root of it, I think is, is kind of what we're trying to solve. So what advice would you have for young people on their pursuit of success? Their pursuit of success? Well, I mean, in the beginning, you really have to put your head down and work hard. You have to absorb everything that you can, um, positively or negatively, because negative things in your life shape who you are later. So you need to stay on top of that stuff and take every experience that, that comes at you and, and use it as a way to, to make your life better um, because if you make your life better you'll you'll be happier in your life and and as far as exposing yourself if you really want to do expose yourself and you have the opportunity to do that now everybody does um, that's something that you have to think about hard and long because if you want to expose yourself and you want to create something out of exposing yourself you can't just be lackadaisical in it. You have to go all in. You have to, you have to expose your life, your feelings, um, the truths, um, the negative, the positive about yourself. And that's what really attracts other people to, to what you're doing um, while you're exposing yourself. Cause people like the realness of, of other people. And if all you do is take videos of your good work and all the, the positive things you do. Um, yeah, that, that's cool. But when you start, posting or taking pictures of the mistakes you've made that resonates with people because people everywhere in the world make mistakes. So if you are 
growing a platform, once you start showing people that you're a human being and you make mistakes too, you'll see that platform raise up quicker and higher than you ever would if you were just focusing on on the untruths of yourself. You know what I mean? You, you got you got to be true to yourself. You got to be yourself. And when you are yourself, people will, will recognize that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Authenticity uh, uh, equates to relatability, you know, and that's, and that's what it boils down to. Be your authentic self and, you know, show the good with the bad, you know, because everybody has good and bad. And, uh, and then those people will relate to you. And, and the easier than it is to, to reach them in the way that, uh, that, you know, you hope to reach them. And, and that is the, the objective after all. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, also too, like for, for, for the young kids out there that want to be successful is that you can't project yourself 20 years into the future and, and see people that are 20 years older than you driving nice trucks and living in nice houses and try to be them. You have to be you in the beginning and you have to grow that gradually. You can't, you can't jump into success. You have to grow success. And growing success is hard work. It's not easy. And you got to put the work in to get there. And if you don't, I mean, you're just going to you're going to stay flat. If you want to raise up, you got to put the work in. Yeah. No, that's that's really great advice. I just had a conversation on somebody with LinkedIn uh or somebody on LinkedIn yesterday uh about uh about you know, people's why. Why they do what they do. And one of the things I think it's important to remember is to consistently realign, you know, yourself and, and the young people out there listening uh, should heed this advice because, uh, you know, the why is on this pedestal, right? Right. right. And um, it's like uh, Simon Sinek, you know, made the why famous and um, everybody's in, in search of it. If you know your why, you'll figure everything out. Um, the problem is that people don't recognize that their why changes throughout their life, you know. 10 years ago, my why was to prove everybody wrong. You know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I, I wanted to do the things that everybody told me that, you know, I couldn't do. I, you know, they were, they were kind of more focused inward on, on me. And then after I had my kids, my why completely changed to, you know, being and, and act, acting in a way that would make my kids proud of me. You know, and it took me a little while. It took me like a year to, to even recognize that, the reason why I wasn't as motivated as I was before is because I wasn't in alignment with myself anymore. You know, my motivations were completely different. And, you know, as soon as you, you realign, you can see that, that full picture again. Um, you know, so I think it's important for everybody to remember that, uh, yes, the why is important, but also the why changes throughout your life. So, you know, reassess, reevaluate and realign. You know. I, I totally agree with you. Re, reinventing yourself is 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 major is is a major factor in being successful, and and also too is looking in the mirror, and um, and realizing that what you're portraying yourself as sometimes is not who you really are, and just taking it down a notch and just being yourself. I mean, you walk a lot of people walk around and and they 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 act like they're the best at everything. They're a badass, but that's because they're portraying themselves as something they're not. Um, but when they look in the mirror, they probably don't see that in them because they have some sort of, um, 
they have some sort of drawback or or they're they're um I, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to spit out a like word here. Like an insecurity. Yeah, an, in, an insecurity. That that's right. And they're not being honest with their insecurities, and you need to you need to be honest with your insecurities. And like I said, if you if you let the world know what your insecurities are, and this is this is crazy because um, I always think of this as as a way to keep the negativity down on a lot of things I post on social media. And it was actually funny because Gary V who I follow and I listen to a lot of his content actually posted something similar not too long ago. So have you ever seen the movie eight mile yeah. with Eminem? Okay. Yeah. So the last scene of the, or one of the last scenes in the movie, when he goes up against um, the other rapper in the rap battle, all he does is talk about everything that's negative in his life and throws the mic at the guy and he's got nothing to say. Yep. Right. Cause he just exposed himself and that's what happens when you expose yourself, when you expose yourself and put everything out front, nothing can come back at you because you've already said, Hey, this is me. What are you going to say? I've already admitted it. Yep. Tell right? these so people right. something about me. They don't already know. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Great, great advice, Gary. Um, I know you're busy, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there, but, uh, I really appreciate you jumping on with me as always. And um, is there anything else that you want to add before we, uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I, I think we got it all wrapped up, man. Cool, man. Well, uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you and uh, then we'll get a move on. Um, HVAC know it all. I mean, that's pretty much the name of all my platforms on Instagram, Facebook, and Gary McCready on LinkedIn, the HVAC know it all podcast hvac know it all on youtube and also hvac know it all.com which is um a website that i've not been paying enough attention to lately but i'm actually um i'm actually possibly looking for some writers uh to do like a piece once a month so if anybody's listening and they want to write technical pieces on the trade um hit me up uh, gary at hvac know it all.com or message me on one of those platforms and, and we can go from there Awesome. Well, again, I appreciate it uh, so much for your time, Gary. Thank you. No problem, Josh. Have a good day. All right. You too. So I will be honest. It was kind of weird being interviewed. Actually, that's not the first time, but it was, it was a little bit odd because I was sitting back waiting for the questions to come to me, which was kind of relaxing, actually because I just had to play off Josh's questions. So I got to thank Josh for the invite, and I got to thank him again for allowing me to use the audio on my podcast, because that was, that was completely awesome of him to do so. Anyway, guys, this is it. I'm out. Go check out Josh. Until next time, happy A-tracking.